Welcome into On to Waveland. I'm Sahadev Sharma with Patrick Mooney. I've taken over the hosting duties. We've ousted Brett Taylor. Uh, he was too positive for our taste. Always, always spinning the positive on these lowly Cubs. But but they're red hot now. Just when they get hot, he's he's gone. They've turned the season around. Five and two. You know, if it wasn't for that three and fourteen stretch, they'd be right in the thick of things. Uh, <laughs> we had we had to DFA him before he could, uh, you know, <laughs> go get too loose with with everything here. The the Cubs are playing well. It's uh, you know, this isn't. I, I don't expect them to be uh, some red hot team that wins series after series. But after uh, not winning a series since the first one of the season, they've won two in a row. Both came on the road. They. They beat the Pirates soundly on Monday, which is what, you know, you expect a team to do, uh, not not struggle against a, a team like the Pirates that just got no hit on Sunday, but still managed to beat a lowly Reds team. Uh, and that first inning, I felt like uh, encaps- encapsulated what we've been seeing from Wilson Contreras the last what, two weeks now, the last three weeks, however long it's been that he's just been white hot. And and the way he did it, especially that first double, uh, just a ripped line drive to the opposite field. I I think a lot of people that, that follow numbers and, and pay attention to that stuff know that Wilson Contreras is hitting the ball harder than ever before. He's... Uh, it, he's among the league leaders in hard hit percentage. What I didn't realize until maybe over the weekend is that he's going to the opposite field more than ever. And and that's, that's not normal for a guy that's hitting the ball harder than ever before. You usually think, Oh, he's pulling the ball more. No, somehow Wilson Contreras is hitting the ball harder and going to the opposite field. Uh, for me, I've, I've kind of been on the fence about, what direction are the Cubs going, right? How long is this rebuild going to take? And does it make sense, whether it's a short turnaround or not, to re-sign or extend Wilson Contreras? Because, I mean, you go look at the really good teams. Not a ton of them have a ton invested in the catcher spot. But part of this offseason was get a quality backup, lean on the DH, and make sure you give Wilson Contreras some rest. Jed Hoyer believed that that could make Wilson Contreras an elite offensive player. When, it, you know, it's a month and a half into the season. I, I don't want to say he's turned into an elite offensive player over the course of a six-month season. But if he's close to this level, what what are you investing in then? What, what else are you supposed to do? And when are you supposed to start trying to win? Because... Unless you need more on top of Wilson Contreras on this team on offense. You can't just rely on the system, as we've seen with Brennan Davis is already on the IL and, and struggled at AAA. We, we don't know what that system will produce. They're going to have to invest in the offense in some way. Uh, does it make more sense now, regardless of it makes sense investing in a catcher? Does it make sense to invest in an elite offensive player, which Wilson Contreras may be proving to be? That's a great question, Matt. I think... We both look at Wilson as someone who brings a lot of intangibles and just the fact his energy, his work ethic, his passion, all these things that this front office does not really appear to value all that much. (laughs) So let's not waste too much breath 
on that. But I, I think if you look at the arc of Wilson's career, I mean, he was a batting champion in the minors. Like, the guy knows how to hit. And I remember, you know, when we were both doing kind of like playoff preview type stories or talking to, to scouts. And I remember, you know, one from a playoff contender saying, you know, you know, Wilson's the guy that like worries me the most that even in a lineup like that, there was something about Wilson, just an ability to change games. And I think clearly last year, the Cubs just ran him into the ground. They just did not have a viable backup catcher. And I think you saw that reflected in his offensive performance, but I do think he's, you know, maybe he's not a superstar hitter, but I don't know. What would you say in terms of like a top percentile hitter? Like he's up there. I mean, he's a really just a good, solid, all around player, you know, strong personality influence in the clubhouse. And, you know, personally, I don't think this is going to change like Jed's viewpoint and all that much i still think a trade is highly highly likely but it's an interesting conversation because it's like if not wilson like what is this what are you building around like what's going to be left next year you know are you going to be starting from zero again uh when they report to mesa next february yeah i i i tend to agree that it's it's hard to it's hard to say that this changes things as far as extending him now Maybe an extension just isn't realistic because if I if I was Wilson, what why would I want to sign an extension right now? You're a few months away from from free agency. Like hit the open market. You're, you're cr- killing the ball. Uh, you can you've proven you can catch. That you've improved as a catcher. We talked about all the intangible stuff. It, it, he would be great on the open market right now if he can hold, get even be close to this offensive profile. Like right now, it's it's pushing a one sixty weighted runs created plus. I'm just trying to look like if if he's a one thirty five guy, that's still top twenty five in all of baseball essentially, right? It, over the course of a full season, if he's around there, and he can say say a team wants to sign him as the part-time catcher, right? Just 90 games started uh, behind the plate. You have the DH. If you want, you could probably play him at first, too. Uh, teams can get creative and stick him in left. You know, he's he can play play other places. I, like, it all, it's all about keeping him fresh and, and making sure the offense, uh, what the main value, even though I think he, he provides value behind the plate, the main value could be the bat here. So it makes no sense for him to extend. This is it's almost become less on Jed and more like why would he resign right now? Why would he extend right now? I could see a situation where if the Cubs feel like they have the building blocks and and they could, you know, they're a year or two not really far away where they try and re-sign him in the offseason, be aggressive and and do they see that as a wise investment? I, like, but I keep coming back to if they don't, you have so much you need to do with this team that all this talk of this is a quick turnaround, the timeline isn't the same as these prospects that we traded for in the U Darvish trade. All that talk from Jed like is going to ring hollow unless they go and get like Aaron Judge and another bat 
than a pitcher, right? It, it makes some tr- aggressive trades, especially if you see someone like Caleb Killian come up and and the and they look and he looks good, right? If Brendan Davis gets healthy and comes up in September and says like, okay, this guy's a major leaguer, uh, it, when you start seeing minor leaguers come up. And, and, and if they produce, then you have to kind of speed up this timeline and make sure this isn't a prolonged rebuild. Uh, it, it was interesting to listen to Wade Miley. You said how uh, guys talk about, uh, like, Wilson Contreras is the most feared guy in that lineup sometimes. Wade Miley said the same. He said Wilson was the guy that feared him the most whenever uh, whenever he faced the Cubs. And he just, he said he's just saw him really well. When when Wilson we've seen this from Wilson, right? Him locked in and red hot. I think we want to see it for a full season, but I, I think we're on the precipice of seeing that. Uh, what what's really turned over this this hot stretch, I guess, <laughs> hot week for the Cubs is the pitching, right? Wilson, we we know can can get hot. We know he can hit. Uh, for me what I thought was different about this team compared to last year was the starting pitching Kyle Hendricks getting off to a slow start, uh, Wade Miley being hurt, Stroman getting off to a slow start that, that killed them that, that kept them from getting on any sort of stretch, hot stretch, getting, being consistent in any manner. Uh, they're, they're going to, they're going to live and die by pitching, right? That's, that's the reality of baseball. You can have this monstrous offense. You can have superstars up and down the lineup. I mean, 2016 was one because of pitching and defense, right? And it's true about any team. You have good pitching, you have good starting pitching, you have a chance to win games. And what we've seen Hendricks kind of get back to himself. Uh, Wade Miley pitch really great on Monday, those are good things, right? Those are good things for the Cubs. Um, I don't know if it matters for their future, right? I, we we can Cubs fans. I, I'm not telling you to give up hope on 2022. I I <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it uh, in 2022. If they're going to really turn this around and and get back in this race, uh, I'll I'll wait till until they do before I really buy in on that. But what? I think Cubs fans should cling to is that performance by Justin Steele on Sunday. Uh, if if he can do that uh, more regularly, that is huge for the Cubs' future. We talk about how they turn this around, how they uh, contend uh, sooner rather than later, and it's and it's through pitching through the system, coming up through the system. If they can actually do that, if they can. Fill some rotation spots with Justin Steele. Keegan Thompson goes today. Caleb Killian when he comes up. If two of these guys turn out to be rotation pieces, that that really changes the calculus on how you build a contending team. Yeah, and I think when we talk about Wilson, obviously he's going to want to have an idea of like what exactly the Cubs are doing here. And then if you're you know, Jed and his front office, you've got a massive amount of work to do on this rotation. Like Wade Miley, if he stays healthy and pitches like this, he's going to get traded. Uh, Marcus Stroman, at this point, may need a rehab start before he joins the rotation. Uh, he's on the injured list without uh, a specific injury designated, which normally signifies a COVID situation. So, I mean, you're looking at him 
well, he hasn't pitched since I think May 1st. Like, this is going to be a lengthy absence for him, potentially. But if he's pitching well and a team really needs starting pitching, that's a movable contract. I mean, would he do that? And then at a certain point, it's like, can you rebuild like 60% of a rotation in offseason? It's usually not a good atmosphere to like make a strong, sound, not desperate decisions. And, you know, Jan Gomes said it last night, you know, we're going to go as far as our rotation takes us. And that goes for like every team every year. And, you know, to me, I think sometimes we talk about new trends in baseball and new ideas and, you know, different philosophies, but like, it always goes back to starting pitching and the Cubs have been so deficient in that area in the last uh, two seasons. It's why it's what carried them through the pandemic shortened 2020 season, that great start of Darvish and Hendricks. And they just haven't gotten back to that yet. And so, you know, I do think this team maybe wasn't as bad as we saw during that, whatever, three and 14 stretch. They probably could have won a couple more games in there, but, you, you kind of are what your starting pitching is and, and hasn't been very good for a while now. And that, you know, has to be the focus uh, moving forward. And, you know, it would be nice to see uh, what Killian could do up here. You know, we wrote about that uh, last week. It sounds like he's checking just about every box. And, you know, the Gubs have looked better for like a week plus, but I think we'll we'll know a lot more after, you know, going to the South Side to play the White Sox, then a homestand with the Brewers and Cardinals, which I think features two double headers in six days. <laughs> so we'll see how good and sustainable the you know pitching staff as a whole you know looks by then. Yeah, I mean. It- I said it at the time. I didn't think they were that three and fourteen stretch bad, right? That, that at one point when they were at their bottom, they were on pace for fifty four wins. That's just an atrocious team. I know Cubs fans, and I know when you watch it at the time, it feels like this is the worst team ever, right? When, when you're watching it, I get it. I get how fans uh, go through the swings of the season, and and it it's. It, that's not completely unreasonable. The way they were playing, they looked like a bad, a really bad team, especially after that Dodgers sweep. It, they were outclassed by just an organization that's right now leaps and bounds above them because they they just stack talent upon talent in every fa- in every way you possibly can in this in this sport. The way they bring in talent is how is the perfect way to build a team. They, they just do it in every way. Uh, and, and it's what the Cubs are striving to become. Uh, they're just, they're not that bad. They're not, a, I, I don't think, I don't even think true talent wise, they could end up being this, especially at the, if they end up uh, selling significantly. I don't think they're, they're on paper look like a hundred loss team to me. I always thought that, they could, you know, hey, maybe they surprise and get to 500. That, which, you know, isn't saying that much. If that, that's, you know, that a good scenario would be getting to 500. I think I always thought they were like a 75-ish win team, you know, and and maybe they proved to be just that. Uh, the trade deadline is going to teach us a lot. I think it will, something you said. It, it's really hard to 
sell 60% of your rotation and then contend the next year, right? They did that in 14 to 15, right? But you have to, right? They, they still did the 60% sell-off at the deadline in 14. Samarja, Hamill, and I, think it was I don't a know who the third person would have been. Sell-off. I okay. think it was, I just remember, I think it was when they did the Quintana trade, part of that logic of maybe paying a little more was like just looking at, uh, that following off season in 18. Right. And that off season didn't work out very well either. <laughs> right. But that was just like teams and agents are know that you're going to be pretty desperate. If you have to find like three starting pitchers and you're a team, you know, coming off the, uh, uh, you know, world series window, uh, an LCS type run. Yeah. It will be interesting to see how, Jed in the front office kind of evaluate this rotation and how aggressive they are at the deadline. Assuming that they're going to be sellers, which I feel like is a safe assumption. Uh, you know, there's no guarantees with some of those guys like Miley. I, you know, you just feel pretty comfortable putting him in that category if he's going to be traded, right? Wilson, like, a, you know, it, I think Jed's kind of shown us what he's going to do. He doesn't like the half measures. He doesn't like to overthink these things too much. It makes sense to move Wilson if you're not in contention because uh, sentimentality isn't something that he's going to, you know, allow sway his decision making. At least that's what we've seen. We've seen him in charge for a year and a half now. That's just, it doesn't seem like he's going to be swayed by those things. I think Theo may have may have at times been a little more sentimental. Jed Jed's going to make the decision that needs to be made. And, and I mean, you know, if you're just going by, you know, the cold-blooded, like, does this make sense to do in a baseball way? Yeah, I mean, I you know, if you're not contending, it does make sense to trade Wilson Contreras, especially if he's playing like this. I mean, if you can get Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi, who was struggling at the time, Look at the package they got for Chris Bryant, right? I mean, that didn't look great at the time, but clearly they're they're seeing things that they have pretty solid uh, pro scouting guys. So imagine what you get for Wilson Contreras at the deadline. But I think it comes down to can they can they turn this around for twenty twenty three and still sell off at the deadline? It, it does become harder, but. What was it in 2014 that allowed them to really do it? It, it was Jake Arrieta turning into what he did, right? Yes, John Lester was and the Hendricks too. Free another agent signing, guy, yeah. yeah, yeah, right, right. So Hendricks was turning into something, and Jake Arrieta was turning into not just something but an ace, right? I don't know if they have that. Those things are unexpected and hard to figure out, right? Uh, Justin Steele looked great on Sunday. I'm not willing to predict that he turns into either Hendricks or or Arietta as far as career production and value to a team, especially for 2023. It's hard to predict those types of things. Uh, but it is that there are... You need those types of surprises is what I'm saying. You, you need someone to come and like... Uh, outperform the projection. Justin Steele doesn't look like he's supposed to be some sort of frontline starter, uh, but even if he's like a three and they go out and sign a John Lester type this offseason, which I don't really expect them to, that's how that's how you do it, right? That's how 
you can sell at the deadline one year and then contend the next year. Uh, but that's, that's still far off, but it's, it, it, I guess it just goes to the point of you go as far as your starting pitching goes. And that's, that will be the key to their future really uh, is how these guys, uh, Justin Steele, Keegan Thompson, Caleb Killian, and any other young guys. And, and really, you know, if Stroman and Hendricks are still around that, that makes it a little more palatable as far as what 2023 can be, especially if these young guys, uh, some of them at least, show you something. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting part here of, you know, whatever, August 3rd, looking around that clubhouse and seeing who's still here, if it's Hendricks and Stroman as building blocks for next year. If Killian is already maybe in the rotation and getting acclimated at that point. Um, this is kind of it for the Steels and, and Thompsons of that kind of generation of guys that the Cubs drafted and, and brought up together. And I think we both agree at worst, like they're really valuable multi-inning relievers who could pitch in the big leagues a long time. Like that's certainly not nothing, but yeah, I mean, they've got a, you know, go big in the rotation here, which is kind of crazy to say after doing, um, you know, Stroman's deal and, and things like that, but they just need more and more viable starting pitching. It's the best thing that you can do for your front office to kind of buy you time with fans and, and ownership to give your coaching staff, like some more credibility just on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, to you know, give your, everyday player. I mean, that's a whole separate thing. Like who knows who's going to be part of the everyday player group next year. Like I was kind of racking my brain, like other than Suzuki of like, you know, to give, you know, we would used to say that the Bryants and the Javis and, you know, guys like that to give them, you know, some, you know, more margin for error and to, you know, have a good environment for them breaking the big things. I'm not quite sure who, I guess, Brennan Davis and, you know, but certainly not that that wave um, that they had a few years ago. That is not here yet, and so um, it's going to be this. I don't know, kind of weird holding pattern or, or waiting period here. But at least you know, if you're a Cubs fan, if you're covering a team, this is at least a little more watchable than what we had seen there. Um, for a long stretch in, in April into May of just a team really in all phases of the game um, underperforming and a roster that we've been talking about this since spring training. You've been all over the side of just, just kind of this misshapen, awkward roster. I mean, we were talking about this last night in the in the press box of just like running down all these guys who are injured and how they're trying to like fit this together. It's not uh, a particularly – smooth process when you see them kind of scrambling here to uh you know put together like a starting group every night and make sure the pitching doesn't you know totally blow up on them yeah i mean if you're looking at at the future and and trying to figure out what what they can uh hold over from this season going forward it's it's you look at the position players and and it, it it definitely is hard to hard to pull the positives right now it's it's say uh and and even that then you know you, you see him going through a rough patch where he's not this dominant force 
but he, he's, he's likely going to be a quality player. But then you go down the list, Madrigal, uh, Nico, Hurt, uh, you know, there's Ian Happ. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if he's a building block piece. It's just it's just hard to know who are you who are you taking from this group and, and really building around uh they they are they're at a soft spot in the schedule it, it, it's getting a little more easier to watch this team it's not as bad as it looked but it, you know it's it it's still it's still more about the future than it is right now uh which which is hard to you know I, i'm sure it's hard for fans to accept that after after years of of contending but that's that's kind of the reality that they're faced with uh kind of look for what they can take from the 2022 team and, and uh, move forward with that. Uh, I think I think that's uh, that's it from us right now, Patrick. You got anything else uh, you need to add there? No, the only thing I was just kind of looking here at the standings, and it's going to be you know even if the Cubs get on a nice little roll here, I, I still think the National League this year is really kind of top heavy, and even with the extra wild card spot, when you have the way the Mets have spent off the field, the way they're performing on the field, how desperate the Phillies are to make the playoffs. The Braves are defending champs. There are what appear to be two legitimately good teams above them in the division. And then, uh, you know, the NL West with Dodgers, Padres, Giants, and even the Diamondbacks and Rockies still kind of around 500. Like it's, it's really hard to see a path where Jed, kind of consults with his inner circle and says, Hey, let's keep this together and try to make a run. Like I Cubs are going to have to play way above their heads at a level that I don't think anyone would have predicted for this season. They're gonna have to do that really sustained for, um, you know, a couple months here. Like they're, they kind of had their, uh, mulligan or whatever you want to call it. Like they don't have any room for error, uh, at all here. If they even have a chance to kind of change the front office's mind. Right. Well, that just means uh, more teams uh, buying <laughs> yeah, there and, you and go. bidding wars for <laughs> for all the Cubs uh, relief pitchers and whatnot. Yeah, I, I think we're we're headed towards a sell off yet again. And you know what? Hopefully, it's not much more of that. Let's. I, I know we've, we've had the debate of is this 2012 or 2014. Uh, you know, every year is different. Every rebuild is different. Every, every scenario is different. So I guess they're not, we're not comparing apples to apples, but it, if this is a multi-year process, m- much more than, you know, 2021 and 2022, I, I don't think Cubs fans should, uh, should take that. Uh, they shouldn't really be willing to watch that type of stuff over and over again. Uh, all right, that that's it from us. Uh, the Cubs, uh, we'll see where they are come Thursday if they can uh, sweep the Pirates here and 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 do some damage against the Diamondbacks over the weekend. Uh, it, it let's at least try and and watch some interesting baseball instead of what we saw during that rough stretch. Uh, Patrick, that's that's Patrick Mooney. I'm Sahadev Sharma. Make sure to read our stuff at the Athletic. Uh, this is on to Waveland, your Cubs podcast. Thanks for li- listening, everyone. Take care. Thank you.